Operator, get me the police. Hurry, please. That was the opening music to United Artists Witness to Murder, uh, which was released in 1954. And I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Bob Johnson. Welcome back to Classic Movie Reviews. Yeah, we're looking forward to talking about this movie, although I have to say right up front, it's kind of on the bottom of my list of movies that we've reviewed so far. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking about this. Uh, we had done quite a few, like four star or eight or nine or ten out of ten movies, and we hadn't really done one that was kind of average. But I think this one uh, met a goal for us of getting an average movie. Yeah, we when we first started the podcast, we said we should do some B-movies, and I was thinking more along the lines of B-science fiction movies, but I think this qualifies as a B-drama. I would agree. I uh, Just kind of like starting with the uh, with the music, it, it, I thought it did fit the drama and the melodrama of the, of the mystery and the murder, but after a while it got to be a little bit... Uh, overdone but it wasn't bad well, it, was, it was a pretty pretty good beginning it was better than the music last week in terms of or for grapes of wrath it was better than that because i thought at least it fit sort of the mood and the, the tone of the movie whereas in grapes of wrath i felt like the music sort of was a contrast to the to the film i agree I uh, one of the notes I sent. Uh, it has really some great actors: uh, Barbara Stanwyck, George Sanders, and Gary Merrill. Gary Merrill has always been a favorite of mine. Really, really, they had so many good movies. It seems like they kind of got saddled with an average script, and the direction was uh, kind of average as well. There were so there were so many. Uh, uh, continuity issues with the movie it kind of distracted me as I watched it yeah I was excited to see Gary Merrill uh, because he did such a great job in 12 o'clock high and of course we knew that Barbara Stanwyck was in the movie because we chose this movie on purpose because we wanted a strong female lead character and I think by accident we actually got our strong female lead character in Grapes of Wrath with Ma Jode, whereas here I was disappointed because uh, Barbara Stanwyck's character, Cheryl Draper, just pretty much played the victim throughout the entire movie. Well? Nothing. Nothing what? There wasn't any murder. Not even a fight. But I saw it. You mean you dreamt you saw it, don't you? It was not a dream. I was wide awake been asleep, hadn't you? Isn't that so? Well, I wasn't asleep when I saw it. I can tell the difference between dreaming a thing and seeing it. Sometimes you can't. It happens. You'd had a nightmare and you thought you were awake, but you weren't. So you saw a murder that didn't take place. It's not uncommon to be fooled by a dream. I don't believe it. It's pretty plain, lady. There was no murder. No body, no sign of a struggle, no nothing. Well, he could have hidden the body. We searched. Believe me, lady, there was no body. You think it's easy to hide a body? Yes, but it... It just doesn't seem possible... I remember waking up and looking across and... Of course you do, but you actually didn't. Isn't that right? Well, I... I don't know. You know, there, she was just so put upon by 
pretty much everybody. I was disappointed that she didn't take a more proactive or stronger role in, in, the, in the story. That's so true. And some of the other movies that she made, I don't remember the titles now, but one was a Western and one was a movie where she saved her husband from drowning in a car. Well, and, and not even not even to mention roles. Double Indemnity. Double oh, Indemnity, double, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I looked up a little bit of background on Roy Roland, the director for the movie. He did a lot of movie and television work, but none of them were, you know, the, the memorable kind of movies that we've seen from... Uh, uh, John Ford and so many of the other directors that we've uh, reviewed so far. You 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 said that you thought this was a the second movie that would be shown if it was a double feature, which was those double features were still popular in the in the nineteen fifties. They were. I look forward to uh, to Saturdays or Friday night as I got a little bit older because you could go and see two movies, and there was usually a A movie, a really good one, and then a B movie, which lasted maybe an hour to uh, 85 or 90 minutes. As I watched this, it seemed like it was going to be the second movie on a double feature tied with another uh, A movie of the time. Uh, the other thing that was interesting about it, when I looked at it and I watched it three times, it's very similar to Rear Window, which was Hitchcock's big hit in 1954 that came out about a month after this. There are a lot of similarities in the, in sort of the sequence and the plot and seeing a murder in another building. And another uh, movie, The Stranger from 1946 with Orson Welles and uh, Loretta Young and Edward G. Robinson, where they're chasing each other up the stairs of that bell tower on the college campus, which could have been right out of this movie when they were chasing each other up that stairway in that building. So... They kind of they kind of had some similarities with other films. Yeah, was there there was a scene in Vertigo, right? That they were running up a clock tower, and I think. Well, that's right. Yes, yes. And I think that there was a scene at the end of this movie when they're running up the inside of that unfinished building. That reminded that's me of Vertigo, right. but for sure, right from the get go, I thought of Rear Window when she was uh, looking out her apartment window into another apartment's window and seeing that murder. I, I I did I did appreciate the uh, the mood at the beginning of the movie when she was the wind was blowing and the, it was dark and the cinematography was pretty good in black and white and then she looks out the window and sees our villain uh, murdering that woman. I was pretty excited when it started because I thought the music was good, the opening scenes with the wind blowing and it looked so stormy and the newspapers were you know, rattling down the, the street. Uh, and then it cuts to her apartment. And she, she for some reason, wakes up and looks out her window and sees this murder happen. I thought, oh, this is going to be good. felt the same way. And then uh, something that sort of changed that for me happened when the two police detectives went over to interview George Saunders, who Oh, sorry to disturb you, Mr. Richter. We've had a complaint against you. Against me? Are you sure? Yes. I'm Lieutenant Matthews. This is Sergeant Vincent. How are you? We come in? <laughs> By all means. Now, uh, 
Just exactly what am I supposed to have done? The uh, lady across the street says she saw a man and woman struggling together in this apartment. Thinks it was murder. Murder? Murder? Holy gee! <laughs> Are you quite sure you're in the right apartment? Yes, yes, this is it, all right. Don't mind if we look around? Well, no, please do. Mr. Richter wouldn't murder anybody. He's one of our best tenants. He's quite incredible. I hardly know what to say. But don't let it bother you. People get funny ideas sometimes. We have to check as a matter of routine. Yes, I suppose so. And the one uh, police sergeant is smoking this horrible cigar and walks in the room. And it was kind of like he was out of a comic book. Yeah. And then the uh, one of the continuity problems was with Gary Merrill's hair. In some <laughs> scenes it was neatly trimmed, and in others it wasn't. It went back and forth. And I found all these little things that were like, boy, they must have made this in a hurry on a small budget. Yeah, I think they made it in a real hurry. Here were my three reactions to the movie as I watched it. At the beginning, I was interested in it. And then I kind of got disgusted with it when they showed the continued bad treatment of Barbara Stanwyck's character and how really nobody would believe her. And they kept being so pedantic with her that it was just all in her head and that it couldn't possibly be real. And then I, I actually started, I was laughing out loud at certain parts. There were two parts in particular I laughed out loud at. One was when uh, George Sanders did his speech. They'll catch you eventually. I don't think so. Though I must admit that when they identified the body, it gave me quite a turn. I had no idea that Joyce had ever been arrested. Thoroughly wretched girl. Still, there's not a scrap of evidence to connect me with her. But you just can't... Who do you think you are? No matter what she was, you had no right to kill her. She had less right to live. What was she? A creature with whom I amused myself. I mean, just think of it. This insignificant little nobody put in jeopardy my life's work. Put in jeopardy the future of the world. For I alone, my dear lady, have the key for which history awaits. The gospel which may well be the religion of centuries to come. With the fortune I'm to marry, and with Miss Stewart eliminated, we move forward. That was hilarious, because it's not so much that, that the speech was funny or that the scene was funny, but it was, it was so weird in the continuity of the, of, the, of the movie. And I know that he was playing a bad guy, but I thought having him play a, an ex-Nazi who had plans to sort of re create the Third Reich, maybe as the Fourth Reich, was so strange in the context of what the movie was about. And then the se second time I laughed out loud was when she was running down the street at the end being chased by uh, George Sanders' character, Albert Richter. And she's in high heels, and he's in his, you know, regular shoes, and he can't catch her. So he's probably just doing a, a jog, and she's running... And, and then all these people start showing up and start chasing her with him. And she's crying for help. And nobody is helping her because I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, th those are all that way. Well, the ones that got to me were uh, kind of the slipshod police work. When they bring the typewriter in, did anybody think to check that for fingerprints to see who might have used it? That was one. And then that psychiatrist 
that interviewed her when they put her in this uh, psychiatric ward. When was the first time you saw Mr. Richter? The night when... When it seemed to me he was in the act of committing murder. You had never observed him previously? No. Are you sure? Positive. Is it possible you saw him but do not remember? Well, it's possible, but I don't think so. Have you ever dreamt of Mr. Richter? No. Was it Richter you referred to when you told your associate at Sloan's that someone might be attempting to kill you? Did I tell her that? I suppose I did. Yes, uh, it was Richter. Do you often translate dream images into realities? No, I don't. You've never believed in fantasies? No. Are you afraid of the dark? Sometimes. Why? Oh, I don't know. You wake up and you're frightened. No reason. You think there could be someone hidden in the shadows, a man perhaps who might attack you? It's possible, but I don't think so. This man might be Richter? Possibly. Do you think he's persecuting you? I... I thought he wanted me out of the way because I was the only witness to... to what he had done. You still insist that he committed murder? No, not now. But you did? Yes. Why have you changed your mind? Well, the facts indicate that he did not. I must have been mistaken. That guy could not have been more unpleasant if he tried. What well, it was like, who is this person? He was just filling. He was filling out his form and putting check yeah. marks in boxes, but he he wouldn't even look at her hardly. And then the third one was, oh wait a minute, how was how were they able to put her into a psychiatric ward? She has no legal uh, person assisting her. It's just like. Bingo, there she is in the midst of this ward of other people that have issues. And there's, there's never a hint that anybody came to her defense. So, like, uh, that's that's the part that really kind of upset me was when they just put her in the uh, mental ward with those three other people. And they drugged her, which was kind of shocking that they would drug her just without any, like you said, without any legal representation or any real reason to do it and uh and then we get that 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 scene with uh with them in the mental ward was strange because there's the old lady who's reciting something over and over again the other woman who seems like maybe she's a recovering or maybe like a drug addict or an alcoholic or something and then there's the black woman who is singing a song and did you catch at the end in the credits, they credited her as the Negress? That was the only, oh, that was no, what they I called didn't. her in the end credits. And I thought that was kind oh, of offensive. Uh, Boy, does that date the film in terms of what we, uh, you know, the current period of time? Although, although there were a lot of pieces of that film that date it, make it, it doesn't stand up well to, uh, to today's uh, movies and where we are in our country. There's a, I thought there was the, the kernel of a good story in there, like handled by a different director or maybe if they took more time with it, uh, because they did have three great actors, you know, Barbara Stanwyck, George Sanders, and Gary Merrill. And they had some good scenes. Like there was one where Albert Richter was hiding out in Cheryl Draper's apartment and Cheryl Draper comes in and all you see in the background is the lighting of a uh, of a match and a and a cigarette and then Albert Richter starts to 
say something to her. And I thought that was really creepy and, and well done. It was. I also liked uh, the lighting and the setup when she goes over to his apartment <clears throat> just before he does his rant about the Fourth Reich. The uh, lighting and scene on his face was very well done. And then he speaks in English and confesses that he did do the murder, but she'll never find uh, Nobody will believe her. And then he switches over to his uh, rant in German. But the lighting and all that was, was uh, good and, and the setup. But it's kind of like uh, they were all saying to themselves, we've got to hurry up and get through this because uh, we've got to move on to something else. I don't know. Just... Well, they, at this period of time, they had contracts to do a certain number of movies with the studio, right? So that was still, I believe that was still in existence. I don't know if it was the same in each studio. And United Artists was always set up a little differently in the way they did their contracts and all. It, it, I don't know if this is the case for this movie, but it felt like it was one of those movies that they just did because they had to fulfill their contract. You know, and it, and it yeah, wasn't it like did. something that they really felt passionate about. It's interesting, too, that I could not find anything about how well it did in the box office. I I can't imagine it did much business because a month later, Rear Window came out, and that's a very well-done movie. That's one of my favorite movies, and maybe we should put that on our list of movies to review because uh, that movie, I can't think of anything that I would say needed to be done differently. You know, there's just so many great scenes in that movie well you know what here, here here's a here's a thought for how they could have made this movie more interesting what if she was imagining it the whole time you know <laughs> that would have been an interesting story wow yeah it really would or and that another, would be another theme for today you know what, yeah what theme for today yeah exactly or another another way they could have ended it is that she does die at the end and and uh albert richter gets away with it you know, that would have been more film noir to me than, than the way this no was set kidding. up. <laughs> yeah, this I think they were trying for film noir, but it was such a mixed bag that I never really felt it stood up, you know, to, to the really good uh, film noir movies. Today, if something uh, like this movie were made, it would be on television. It'd be a hour, hour and a half uh, on on one of the cable networks, probably. Yeah. I don't think it reaches the, I don't think it's film noir. I, I think it's just a drama no. filmed in black and white and a, not a very good one at that. But uh. <laughs> Well, I uh, after much thought and, and hand-wringing, I, I gave it my rating. Um, I, I, I did give it a 5 out of 10, uh, which in my mind makes it average. And I went back and forth between 4 and 5, but I'll stay with 5. I, I agree with you. I think it's just a middle-of-the-road average movie. I think there were some things that were well done, uh, like the opening and that scene where Albert Richter is hiding in the apartment. I, I really like that. And then there were scenes or whole threads of the story that were just badly handled or yes, uh, odd, oddly put together, like the whole reason that she was put in the mental ward doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, there was there was some comic relief, too, because the police sergeant, I think it was the police sergeant, 
makes a comment about how they're acting like TV cops. Let's take a ride out there. Ride out where? Look around where she lived. The Stewart dame. Have you got her address? Are you nuts or something? We're not even on the case. You're sticking our noses in, a, in somebody else's job. What's with you anyway? Look, we're detectives, aren't we? So let's make like detectives. Television detectives. Bum, ba -dum, bum. 6.45, we go looking for trouble. 6.46, we find it. Look at that. And then they, out the door they went. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> it was like a little nod to the fact that... I, I almost thought it was a nod to the fact that, yeah, we know that this isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're we're contracted to get it done so onward we go yeah uh, so, well that uh, that's probably uh this is probably one of our shorter uh uh movie reviews i would think yeah i don't have much else to say about it i i i'm, I'm disappointed that it wasn't better i was hoping for something you know really great from from the just based on who the stars of the movie were uh but you know they can't all be nines and tens i guess no, I know we'll probably have a few others as we go along. Probably good that we do, actually. Yeah, it does keep it a little bit more interesting. I think it gets boring if we don't have this happen once in a while. At least we have something that we can say we don't like. <laughs> and I'm sure that we can find dozens and dozens of movies that are average or below average, should we care to do so. Yeah, let's not try to go that way, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> So our next episode, we've talked about this, we're going to do South Pacific, and it's another musical, and we felt like maybe getting out of the uh, drama a bit and into something a little bit more lighthearted would be good, uh, but there are some themes in the movie that I, I'm looking forward to talking about, and actually NPR had a story about South Pacific this morning, and that's what got me thinking about it, uh, so that that's coming up in two weeks. And then we're thinking of Gentleman's Agreement for the episode after that. Although we might change our mind and do something more along the lines of a comedy. So we'll see how we're feeling after South Pacific. Sounds good to me. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with South Pacific. This is Matt Johnson coming to you from Seattle, Washington. And Bob Johnson in Los Angeles. And until then, happy movie watching. That was the opening music to United Artists. Uh, okay, I got to do it again. That was the opening music to United. All right, here we go. I have a problem. <laughs>